0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another bright day here in the capital city as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. My name is Scott Challoner and I'm delighted to be joined on today's programme by Carl McCarthy. Carl is the executive headteacher of three schools, Frogmore Junior School, Windmill Primary School and Wheatfield Primary School. Carl, very warm welcome to you and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us this morning morning.
1: Thank you so much. Good morning.
0: Good morning. It's a real pleasure having you. Now, the purpose of this discussion, Carl, is to really understand your take on leadership as a whole. So if we dive straight in and just look at that word leader first and foremost on its own for a second, I'm interested to understand what that word actually means to you and how it really resonates.
1: So when I think of leadership, uh, I'm drawn to some of the great examples um, from the past. So you know, Desmond Tutu, uh, he expl- he said of Mandela that, that Nelson Mandela embodied and reflected our uh, collective greatness. So when I think of leadership, I think of people in different ways, either aspiring to or, or moving towards that concept of leadership or something that can uh, really embody uh, the potential of what we can all achieve.
0: And interestingly as well, there was a quote from Nelson Mandela uh, where he said, surround yourself with people who are better than you are. Now, that is something that we can bring into leadership as well, isn't it? Because the people that you surround yourself with, that team that you build around you, that's also incredibly important from a leadership perspective.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the uh, that, that will to, to work towards something collectively and to, to be able to achieve things that just wouldn't have been possible as an individual, that, you know, that, that's, I think, really what leadership is all, is all about. And, you know, I feel blessed that the teams that are working in the schools are, are so strong and, and leadership emerges from all different places, um, regardless of role, regardless of what position people have in the schools. Uh, you see leadership qualities and leadership characteristics uh, in everybody. So it's really important to create the conditions that allows that to thrive and flourish and and know that that any one of us might not necessarily have all the answers, but but together, actually, there, there, there are great things that we can achieve.
0: I think it's important to remember that, isn't it? That as human beings, we are indeed fallible and we're not going to have all of the answers um, at one given time, even though, of course, people look to us as leaders to provide that sort of reassurance, that clarity. Mm-hmm. And we've become far more sort of self-aware of that, I guess, um, during the current period, haven't we, with COVID-19? Because there is there has been so much uncertainty and so much pressure on leaders, and they've just had to keep the communication channels open. And sometimes maybe they've not had all of the answers that people are looking for.
1: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a challenge um, because one other aspect is providing clarity, uh, providing certainty. But in a situation where we, we are all collectively presented with something so sort uncertain, of I think it's quite right to feel a, a real sense of unease uh, about. Well, well, hold on, you know, you, uh, there isn't an answer, there isn't clarity on that, um, because the answer is is we just don't know for some of these things. Um, so, yeah, I, what what feels like it's emerged is uh, a spirit of cooperation and people uh, understanding that, you know, together we, we can get through the challenges or overcome the diversity or uh, or put things in place that, that are going to make sure that if and when there is a situation that's similar to this, that there the perhaps is more certainty and we can act with, with greater clarity on some of those key decisions.
0: And with regards to the current pandemic situation in general, how has it been, Carl, attempting to adapt to the challenges that that's posed and trying to navigate the current situation? Because I can imagine from your point of view, it's posed some incredible challenges as well.
1: I, incredible challenges, absolutely. The, the education sector, um, you know, for, for me and for my, my experience during the crisis, has seen a, a real coming together. Of individuals, of members of staff, of families, um, pupils, parents, communities, and and really seeing the best of of what people can do when they actually start to think about some of the most vulnerable in our society and what we can do to mitigate the impact on on them, uh, and also if we have to be flexible and think in different ways when we're presented with such uncertainty, that that such good can come from that too. So, you know, local authority schools, academy schools working closely together, we've seen um, different uh, school leaders who might not have been working as closely and collaboratively collaboratively together have been working closely because, you know, the goal that we have is one and the same. And I think that that's a real positive to, to come out of the situation. But the challenge is, you know, in balancing uh, people's home lives, family lives, the the immense uh, stress and uh, distress caused by some of the situations that have arisen in our, our communities. That you know, it, it's difficult not to understate the impact it has when, when, when you feel that sense of loss so closely. Um, you know. <laughs> But as I say, people have adopted adapted different roles. People mm. have have gone into the community and taken on, uh, you know, delivering food parcels or, or or ensuring that those who who need the most help and support are given the support that they need to try and get get through this period. In so, you know, in as much as what what schools have the capacity to do. Um. I, it it has been challenged and and i think you know the challenge is, is definitely not over in many ways it's it's just beginning but i uh, i think schools have been a, a real model example of of what what you can achieve given uh, a crisis like this
0: and i think one of the other good things that will come out of this is that renewed focus on mental health and well-being and sustainability as well that we've seen during this uh, particular time and um with that heightened awareness, I'm just interested to ask mm-hmm. as well, Carl, how it's been from that perspective—not just with staff, but also with pupils in terms of adapting to the remote working situation. Um, in terms of their headspace, if they held up okay, Have you've sort of been inspired by how they've applied themselves during this time.
1: Mm. Uh, so, I think for for me, it's important to 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 distinguish between the primary primary and secondary, because you know my, my experience background uh, and day to day experiences have been. Focused on primary really, and and everything that um, I've seen across the schools and, and more widely across the trust and sector has been children responding, coping well to, to the to the change in a positive way, uh, responding to online materials or, or the contact with their teacher or um, you know or the virtual assemblies or virtual lessons, you know, responding in really positive ways, and for those back in school. That uh, they they have adapted it and and the reports to me are that the children are, are uh, well have shown incredible resilience that they can return to school and and demonstrate that the the impact to them in terms of schooling might not be as significant and as dark and as as challenging as as we could paint it. But I'm, but I'm you know really. Talking about primary, there, I think as you actually extend that and go further towards secondary and 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 uh, and beyond, that the impact is greater and the sense of isolation is greater. And um, and I, I, my feeling is that there's more of an impact there in terms of mental health uh, and the negative impacts of being socially isolated. Um, It's uh, it's different, I would say. So, so lots of the successes, um, I think, it doesn't replace that that day to day contact with your teacher and the classroom and, and school. Uh, it, it really isn't a substitute for that. What, what is in place, but um, the impact on mental health and wellbeing, I think, uh, there's a, uh, a really a, a difference between primary and secondary, generally speaking, mm. uh, and it's important, I think, to to differentiate because. Um, that in in trying to devise solutions, then we may be looking at dif- different things that are needed. So the children that come back to uh, Frogmore, Wimma, we feel we- Wheatfield, uh, just can't wait to be back, be there, and and to continue their learning um, in as closely as it was before.
0: That's really encouraging to hear for sure. And um, in terms of leadership from the government perspective, of course, there's been a great deal of debate about just how clear guidelines have been, not just throughout the pandemic, but also for COVID-secure premises to allow schools Mm -hmm. and other businesses to reopen um, over the coming weeks. Um, Have you been satisfied over the course of the last few weeks and months that the guidance has been clear and that you've known exactly what's been expected of you and continue to do so?
1: Uh, Wow. You (laughs) know, for, for staff, I think there's a, a real sense of being overwhelmed by by guidance, and, uh, and as a school leader, just to re-digest and and then uh, act on on the guidance that's been issued is a challenge in itself. The constant stream of emails and communications, and and the fact that that never really stops. The laptop doesn't really close, and and, and that's You know, as a school leader, you you don't want to miss a crucial bit of information that, you know, that then means you have to impact or put something in place the day after, which has got an impact on safety. So uh, has it been clear enough, Uh, you know, we're part of an academy trust, and I think there's great strength in having a team of people who can collectively absorb, digest, and then highlight key parts of information that we need as, as school leaders. And yeah, uh, you know, that's not just academies, again, across the sector. I think if, if you're in isolation on your own trying to digest and recreate, then maybe it's an overwhelming challenge. Uh, and I think all I can say is the key messages, as we've received them collectively, we've been able to put them, the, the risk assessments in place and, and the measures in place, which mean that we, we feel we, we've met what, what has been set out for us as guidance.
0: And thinking now about the longer term future under this new normal, what do you envision, Carl, for yourself and for the three schools, the trust, and what do you really hope to achieve over the next year as we move through into the next stages of the pandemic and hopefully begin to look to the long
1: term? It's, it's a really interesting question uh, because the new, no, new normal, as a phrase, um, when it comes to primary. School and that crucial developmental stage, uh, I, I think, like the children, they're desperate to return to uh, a sense of of normality, of of routine, you know, of of school in many ways uh, as far as possible, uh, you know, in the same way as, as what it was before. Um, so, and I think on a day-to-day basis, looking ahead to September, it, that looks like it's something that that with a few adjustments is possible to achieve. Um, also, I think the idea that virtual supports and um, uh, the idea of feedback to individual children, particularly as they progress further through their education, secondary and beyond, um, or particularly if they're vulnerable or from disadvantaged backgrounds, I think that that high, you know the way that that's been highlighted. And the way that there's a collective focus on that, I think, is, is a positive step. So if the new normal is very much about preserving the best of what primary education is all about, uh, but also seeing how possibly uh, a focus on disadvantage and vulnerable um, can can have long term benefits, uh, secondary and beyond, then, then I think that's. You know that's as cl- that's the best I could hope for um I certainly wouldn't be an advocate of trying to to wholesale uh switch to some kind of digital solution for education on masculine because i I don't think that's really what what pupils are wanting or needing and, and I, I don't think it's a profession that that um arguing the case for that but to be prepared and to have the resources to have um you know the capacity if there are any dips or changes in the future then then I think that would be one. Too.
0: Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting to see just how the next few months uh, pan out. And it's one thing mm. speculating on what the future might hold, Carl, and it's another actually reviewing it um, once the time has passed and really understanding what's happened. So given how informative it's been having you join us today, I think it would be fantastic to perhaps even have you back on in the next few months just to see exactly what has changed in the time between and just catch up on how the schools are
1: getting on. That would be great. More than happy to do so.
0: I think that would be fantastic, not just for myself, but also really insightful from a listener's perspective as well. Um, We are just about out of time today, but it's been a real pleasure having you join us today, Carl. I've really enjoyed um, our discussion. And most importantly, until we do speak again in future, do take care and do stay safe with all still going on, because we're certainly not out of the woods with this one yet, as we well know.
1: Thanks so much. I really appreciate it.
0: That was Carl McCarthy speaking, the executive head teacher of Frogmore Junior School, Windmill Primary School and Wheatfield Primary School. Coming up next on today's programme, I'll be handing over to Matthew O'Neill for his exclusive interview with former Education Secretary Lord Blunkett. Lord Blunkett is an active member of the House of Lords these days and chairman of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Now, despite being blind from birth, Lord Blunkett rose to prominence to become one of the most notable politicians of his generation, holding a number of senior positions in the cabinet of then Prime Minister Tony Blair and serving as the MP for his Sheffield, Brightside and Hillsborough constituency for 28 years. He was elevated to the House of Lords in August 2015 when he was anointed Baron Blunkett of Brightside and Hillsborough. And I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Matthew relished speaking with him. That is coming up next.
2: Lord Blunkett, welcome.
3: Thank you very much. It's very good to be with you.